This is the first of a four-episode recording of Song of Myself by Walt Whitman, read by Michael Elliott. The text is from the Penguin Classics edition of 1986, edited by Francis Murphy. Section 1 I celebrate myself, and sing myself, and what I assume you shall assume. For every atom belonging to me, as good belongs to you. I loaf and invite my soul. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. My tongue, every atom of my blood, formed from this soil, this air, born here of parents, born here from parents the same, and their parents the same, I, now thirty-seven years old, in perfect health, begin, hoping to cease not till death. Creeds and schools and abeyance, retiring back a while, sufficed at what they are, but never forgotten, I harbor for good or bad, I permit to speak at every hazard, nature without check, with original energy. Section 2. Houses and rooms are full of perfumes. The shelves are crowded with perfumes. I breathe the fragrance myself, and I know it and like it. The distillation would intoxicate me also, but I shall not let it. The atmosphere is not perfume. It has no taste of distillation. It is odorless. It is for my mouth forever. I am in love with it. I will go to the bank by the wood and become undisguised and naked. I am mad for it to be in contact with me. The smoke of my own breath echoes, ripples, buzzed whispers, love root, silk thread, crotch and vine, my respiration and inspiration, the beating of my heart, the passing of blood, and air through my lungs, the sniff of green leaves and dry leaves, and of the shore and dark-colored sea rocks, and of hay in the barn, the sound of the belched words of my voice loosed to the eddies of the wind, a few light kisses, a few embraces, a reaching around of arms, the play of shine and shade on the trees as the supple boughs wag, the delight alone or in the rush of the streets or along the fields and hillsides, the feeling of health, the full noon trill, the song of me rising from bed and meeting the sun. Have you reckoned a thousand acres much? Have you reckoned the earth much? Have you practiced so long to learn to read? Have you felt so proud to get at the meaning of poems? Stop this day and night with me, and you shall possess the origin of all poems. You shall possess the good of the earth and sun. There are millions of suns left. You shall no longer take things at second or third hand, nor look through the eyes of the dead, 
nor feed on the specters in books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take things from me. You shall listen to all sides and filter them from yourself. Section 3 I have heard what the talkers were talking, the talk of the beginning and the end, but I do not talk of the beginning or the end. There was never any more inception than there is now, nor any more youth or age than there is now, and will never be any more perfection than there is now, nor any more heaven or hell than there is now. Urge and urge and urge, always the procreant urge of the world, out of the dimness opposite equals advance, always substance and increase, always sex, always a knit of identity, always distinction, always a breed of life. To elaborate is no avail. Learned and unlearned feel that it is so. Sure, as the most certain sure, plumb in the uprights, well entreated, braced in the beams, stout as a horse, affectionate, haughty, electrical, I and this mystery here we stand. Clear and sweet is my soul, and clear and sweet is all that is not my soul. Lack, one lacks both, and the unseen is proved by the seen, till that becomes unseen, and receives proof in its turn. Showing the best and dividing it from the worst age vexes age, knowing the perfect fitness and equanimity of things while they discuss, I am silent and go bathe and admire myself. Welcome is every organ and attribute of me, and of any man, hearty and clean. Not an inch nor a particle of an inch is vile, and none shall be less familiar than the rest. I am satisfied. I see, dance, laugh, sing. As the hugging and loving bedfellow sleeps at my side through the night and withdraws at the peep of the day with stealthy tread, leaving me baskets covered with white towels swelling the house with their plenty, shall I postpone my acceptation and realization and scream at my eyes that they turn from gazing after and down the road and forthwith cipher and show me to assent? exactly the value of one and exactly the value of two and which is ahead? Section 4 Trippers and askers surround me, people I meet, the effect upon me of my early life or the ward and city I live in or the nation, the latest dates, discoveries, inventions, societies, authors old and new, my dinner, dress, associates, looks, compliments, dues, the real or fancied indifference of some man or woman I love, 
the sickness of one of my folks or of myself or ill-doing or loss or lack of money or depressions or exultations, battles, the horrors of fratricidal war, the fever of doubtful news, the fitful events. These come to me days and nights and go from me again, but they are not the me, myself. Apart from the pulling and hauling stands what I am, stands amused, complacent, compassionating, idle, unitary, looks down, is erect, or bends an arm on an impalpable certain rest, looking with side-curved head, curious what will come next, both in and out of the game, and watching and wondering at it. Backward I see in my own days where I sweated through fog with linguists and contenders, I have no mockings or arguments. I witness and wait. Section 5 I believe in you, my soul. The other I am must not abase itself to you, and you must not be abased to the other. Loaf with me on the grass, loose the stop from your throat, not words, not music or rhyme I want, not custom or lecture, not even the best, only the lull I like, the hum of your valved voice. I mind how once we lay such a transparent summer morning, how you settled your head athwart my hips and gently turned over upon me and parted the shirt from my bosom bone and plunged your tongue to my bare-stripped heart and reached till you felt my beard and reached till you held my feet. Swiftly arose and spread around me the peace and knowledge that pass all the argument of the earth, and I know that the hand of God is the promise of my own, and I know that the Spirit of God is the brother of my own, and that all the men ever born are also my brothers, and the women my sisters and lovers, and that a kelson of the creation is love. And limitless are leaves stiff or drooping in the fields, and brown ants in the little wells beneath them, and mossy scabs of the worm fence, heaped stones, elder, mullen, and pokeweed. Section 6 A child said, What is the grass? fetching it to me with full hands. How could I answer the child? I do not know what it is any more than he. I guess it must be the flag of my disposition, out of hopeful green stuff woven. Or I guess it is the handkerchief of the Lord, a scented gift and remembrancer designedly dropped, bearing the owner's name some way in the corners that we may see and remark and say, Whose? Or, I guess the grass is itself a child, the produced babe of the vegetation. Or, I guess it is a uniform hieroglyphic, and it means 
sprouting alike in broad zones and narrow zones, growing among black folks as among white, Canuck, Tuckahoe, Congressman, Cuff, I give them the same, I receive them the same. And now it seems to me the beautiful uncut hair of graves. Tenderly will I use you, curling grass. It may be you transpire from the breasts of young men. It may be, if I had known them, I would have loved them. It may be you are from old people, or from offspring taken soon out of their mother's laps, and here you are the mother's laps. This grass is very dark to be from the white heads of old mothers, darker than the colorless beards of old men, dark to come from under the faint red roofs of mouths. Oh, I perceive, after all, so many uttering tongues, and I perceive they do not come from the roofs of mouths for nothing. I wish I could translate the hints about the dead young men and women, and the hints about old men and mothers, and the offspring taken soon out of their laps. What do you think has become of the young and old men? And what do you think has become of the women and children? They are alive and well somewhere. The smallest sprout shows there is really no death. And if ever there was, it led forward life, and does not wait at the end to arrest it, and ceased the moment life appeared. All goes onward and outward, nothing collapses, and to die is different from what anyone supposed, and luckier. Section 7 has anyone supposed it lucky to be born? I hasten to inform him or her it is just as lucky to die, and I know it. I pass death with the dying, and birth with the new washed babe, and am not contained between my hat and boots, and peruse manifold objects, no two alike, and every one good, the earth good and the stars good, and their adjuncts all good. I am not an earth, nor an adjunct, adjunct of an earth. I am the mate and companion of people, all just as immortal and fathomless as myself. They do not know how immortal, but I know. Every kind for itself and its own. For me, mine, male and female. For me, those that have been boys and that love women. For me, the man that is proud and feels how it stings to be slighted. For me, the sweetheart and the old maid. For me, mothers and the mothers of mothers. For me, lips that have smiled, eyes that have shed tears. For me, children and the begetters of children. Undrape. You are not guilty to me, nor stale, nor discarded. I see through the broadcloth and gingham whether or no, and am around, tenacious, acquisitive, tireless, and cannot be shaken away. Section 8 The little one sleeps in its cradle. 
I lift the gauze and look a long time and silently brush away flies with my hand. The youngster and the red-faced girl turn aside up the bushy hill. I peeringly view them from the top. The suicide sprawls on the bloody floor of the bedroom. I witness the corpse with its dabbled hair. I note where the pistol has fallen. The blab of the pave, tires of carts, slough of boot soles, talk of the promenaders, the heavy omnibus, the driver with his interrogating thumb, the clank of the shod horses on the granite floor, the snow sleighs, clinking, shouted jokes, pelts of snowballs, the hurrahs for popular favorites, the fury of roused mobs, the flap of the curtained litter, a sick man inside, born to the hospital. The meeting of enemies, the sudden oath, the blows and fall, the excited crowd, the policeman with his star quickly working his passage to the center of the crowd, the impassive stones that receive and return so many echoes. What groans of overfed or half-starved who fall sunstruck or in fits? What exclamations of women taken, taken suddenly who hurry home and give birth to babes? What living and buried speech is always vibrating here? What howls restrained by decorum? Arrests of criminals, slights, adulterous offers made, acceptances, rejections with convex lips. I mind them, or the show, or resonance of them. I come and I depart. Section 9 The big doors of the country barn stand open and ready. The dried grass of the harvest time loads the slow-drawn wagon. The clear light plays on the brown-gray and green intertinged. The armfuls are packed to the sagging mow. I am there. I help. I came stretched atop the load. I felt its soft jolts, one leg reclined on the other. I jump from the crossbeams and seize the clover and timothy and roll head over heels and tangle my hair full of wisps. Section 10 Alone far in the wilds and mountains I hunt, wandering amazed at my own lightness and glee in the late afternoon, choosing a safe spot to pass the night, kindling a fire and broiling the fresh-killed game, falling asleep on the gathered leaves with my dog and gun by my side. The Yankee clipper is under her sky sails. She cuts the sparkle and scud. My eyes settle the land. I bend at her prow or shout joyously from the deck. The boatmen and clam diggers arose early and stopped for me. I tucked my trouser ends in my boots and went and had a good time. You should have been with us that day round the chowder kettle. I saw the marriage of the trapper in the open air in the far west. The bride was a red girl. Her father and his friends sat near, cross-legged, and dumbly smoking. They had moccasins to their feet and large, thick blankets hanging from their shoulders. On a bank lounged the trapper. He was dressed mostly in skins. His luxuriant beard and curls protected his neck. He held his bride by the hand. 
She had long eyelashes. Her head was bare. Her coarse, straight locks descended upon her voluptuous limbs and reached to her feet. The runaway slave came to my house and stopped outside. I heard his motions crackling the twigs of the woodpile. Through the swung half-door of the kitchen I saw him limpsy and weak and went where he sat on a log and led him in and assured him and brought water and filled a tub for his sweated body and bruised feet and gave him a room that entered from my own and gave him some coarse clean clothes and remember perfectly well his revolving eyes and his awkwardness and remember putting plasters on the galls of his neck and ankles. He stayed with me a week before he was recuperated and passed north. I had him sit next to me at table, my firelock leaned in the corner. Section 11 Twenty-eight young men bathe by the shore. Twenty-eight young men, and all so friendly. Twenty-eight years of womanly life, and all so lonesome. She owns the fine house by the rise of the bank. She hides handsome and richly dressed aft the blinds of the window. Which of the young men does she like the best? Ah, the homeliest of them is beautiful to her. Where are you off to, lady? For I see you, you splash in the water there, yet stay stock still in your room. Dancing and laughing along the beach came the twenty-ninth bather. The rest did not see her, but she saw them and loved them. The beards of the young men glistened with wet. It ran from their long hair. Little streams passed all over their bodies. An unseen hand also passed over their bodies. It descended tremblingly from their temples and ribs. The young men float on their backs, their white bellies bulge to the sun. They do not ask who seizes fast to them. They do not know who puffs and declines with pendant and bending arch. They do not think whom they souse with spray. Section 12 The butcher boy puts off his killing clothes or sharpens his knife at the stall in the market. I loiter, enjoying his repartee and his shuffle and breakdown. Blacksmiths with, with grimed and hairy chests environ the anvil. Each has his main sledge. They are all out. There is a great heat in the fire. From the cinder-strewed threshold I follow their movements. The lithe sheer of their waists plays even with their massive arms. Overhand the hammers swing, overhand so slow, overhand so sure, they do not hasten. Each man hits in his place. Section 13 The negro holds fir firmly the reins of his four horses. The block swags underneath on its tied-over chain. The negro that drives the long dray of the stone yard, steady and tall, he stands poised on one leg, on the string piece. His blue shirt exposes his ample neck and breast and loosens over his hip band. 
His glance is calm and commanding. He tosses the slouch of his hat away from his forehead. The sun falls on his crispy hair and mustache, falls on the black of his polished and perfect limbs. I behold the picturesque giant and love him, and I do not stop there. I go with the team also. In me, the caresser of life, forever moving backward as well as forward slewing, to niches aside and junior bending, not a person or object missing, absorbing all to myself and for this song. Oxen that rattle the yoke and chain or halt in the leafy shade, what is that you express in your eyes? It seems to me more than all the print I have read in my life. My tread scares the wood drake and wood duck on my distant and day-long ramble. They rise together. They slowly circle around. I believe in those winged purposes and acknowledge red, yellow, white playing within me and consider green and violet and the tufted crown intentional and do not call the tortoise unworthy because she is not something else and the jay in the woods never studied the gamut yet trills pretty well to me and the look of the bay mare shames silliness out of me section 14 the wild gander leads his flock through the cool night. Ya honk, he says, and sounds it down to me like an invitation. The pert may suppose it meaningless, but I, listening close, find its purpose and place up there toward the wintry sky. The sharp-hoofed moose of the north, the cat on the house sill, the chickadee, the prairie dog, the litter of the grunting sow as they tug at her teats, the brood of the turkey hen and she with her half-spread wings, I see in them and myself the same old law. The press of my foot to the earth springs a hundred affections. They scorn the best I can do to relate them. I am enamored of growing outdoors, of men that live among cattle or taste of the ocean or woods, of the builders and steerers of ships and the wielders of axes and mauls and the drivers of horses. I can eat and sleep with them week in and week out. What is commonest, cheapest, nearest, easiest is me. Me going in for my chances, sp spending for vast returns, adorning myself to bestow myself on the first that will take me, not asking the sky to come down to my goodwill, scattering it freely forever. Section 15 The pure contralto sings in the organ loft. The carpenter dresses his plank. The tongue of his foreplane whistles its wild, ascending lisp. The married and unmarried children ride home to their Thanksgiving dinner. The pilot seizes the kingpin. He heaves down with a strong arm. The mate stands braced in the whale boat. Lance and harpoon are ready. 
The duck shooter walks by, silent and cautious stretches. The deacons are ordained with crossed hands at the altar. The spinning girl retreats and advances to the hum of the big wheel. The farmer stops by the bars as he walks on a first-day loaf and looks at the oats and rye. The lunatic is carried at last to the asylum, a confirmed case. He will never sleep any more as he did in the cot in his mother's bedroom. The jower printer with grey head and gaunt jaws works at his case. He turns his quid of tobacco while his eyes blur with the manuscript. The malformed limbs are tied to the surgeon's table. What is removed, removed drops horribly in a pail. The quadroon girl is sold at the auction stand. The drunkard nods by the barroom stove. The machinist rolls up his sleeves. The policeman travels his beat. The gatekeeper marks who pass. The young fellow drives the express wagon. I love him, though I do not know him. The half-breed straps on his light boots to compete in the race. The western turkey shooting draws old and young. Some lean on their rifles, some sit on logs. Out from the crowd steps the marksman, takes his position, levels his piece. The groups of newly-come immigrants cover the wharf or levee. As the woolly pates hoe in the sugar field, the overseer views them from his saddle. The bugle calls in the ballroom. The gentlemen run for their partners. The dancers bow to each other. The youth lies awake in a cedar-roofed garret and harks to the musical rain. The wolverine sets traps on the creek that helps fill the Huron. The squaw wrapped in her yellow-hemmed cloth is offering moccasins and bead bags for sale. The connoisseur peers along the exhibition gallery with half-shut eyes bent sideways as the deckhands make fast the steamboat. The plank is thrown for the shore-going passengers. The young sister holds out the skine while the elder sister winds it off in a ball and stops now and then for the knots. The one-year wife is recovering and happy, having a week ago born her first child. The clean-haired Yankee girl works with her sewing machine or in the factory or mill. The paving man leans on his two-handed rammer. The reporter's lead flies swiftly over the notebook. The sign pa painter is lettering with blue and gold. The canal boy trots on the towpath. The bookkeeper counts at his desk. The shoemaker waxes his thread. The conductor beats time for the band, and all the performers follow him. The child is baptized. The convert is making his first professions. The regatta is spread on the bay. The race is begun. How the white sails sparkle. The drover, watching his drove, sings out to them that would stray. The peddler sweats with his pack on his back. The purchaser, higgling about the odd scent. The bride unrumples her white dress. The minute hand of the clock moves slowly. The opium eater reclines with rigid head and just opened lips. The prostitute draggles her shawl. Her bonnet bobs on her tipsy and pimpled neck. 
The crowd laugh at her blaggard oaths. The men jeer and wink to each other. Miserable, I do not laugh at your oaths, nor jeer you. The president, holding a cabinet council, is surrounded by the great secretaries. On the piazza walk three matrons stately and friendly with twined arms. The crew of the fish smack pack repeated layers of halibut in the hold. The Missourian crosses the plains, toting his wares and his cattle. As the fair collector goes through the train, he gives notice by the jingling of loose change. The floormen are laying the floor. The tinners are tinning the roof. The masons are calling for mortar. In single file, each shouldering his hod, pass onward the laborers. Seasons pursuing each other, the indescribable crowd is gathered. It is the fourth of seven months. What salutes of cannon and small arms. Seasons pursuing each other, the plower plows, the mower mows, and the winter grain falls in the ground. Off on the lakes the pike-fisher watches and waits by the hole in the frozen surface. The stumps stand thick round the clearing. The squatter strikes deep with his axe. Flatboatmen make fast towards dusk near the cottonwood or pecan trees. Coon-seekers go through the regions of the Red River or through those drained by the Tennessee or through those of the Arkansas. Torches shine in the dark that hangs on the Chattahoochee or Old Tamahaw. Patriarchs sit at supper with grandsons and grandsons and great-grandsons around them. In walls of adobe, in canvas tents, rest hunters and trappers after their day's sport. The city sleeps and the country sleeps. The living sleep for their time. The dead sleep for their time. The old husband sleeps by his wife and the young husband sleeps by his wife. And these tend inward to me, and I tend outward to them, and such as it is to be of these more or less I am, and of these one and all I weave the song of myself.'